thought you were just being what so professional there for a second, didn't I? Yeah. Ready. You got you. Action. Yeah. I think uh, the only thing I should probably reveal before we go any further is that I've just mm -hmm. come back from town where I met a friend of mine and she bought me a pint. So I have had a pint oh. already. Now, so you're locked was, is what you're saying. I am a cheap date, but I'm not that cheap. It's, it was <laughs> it, at this point, it was three and a half hours ago. So oh, okay. any kind of any kind of slip ups I make, I'm just purely blaming it on, blaming alcohol. It on that one. I, point. I, my, oh, yeah, I was thinking you looked very relaxed. All my, right. <laughs> it was one point <laughs> three and a half hours ago. Jesus. I mean, although I started spreading I, rumors about you know, last time he's having Will did the podcast, he was he drinking. Was he was hammered for the whole thing, but like it, 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 I wouldn't rule anything out because I, mm. I think it's been so long since I had a drink, even before that. I yeah, can't, I can't remember. No, so, um, that's great. I think you should do that before every episode. Now we'll just, just see what just happens. Just get tanked up and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So um, how are you otherwise, other um, than your? You found everything's great things. that I'm all you know that I'm hammered, but um, no, I'm fine, <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. Uh, great, yeah, good. back to work soon, back to work on Monday, absolutely, After, yeah, yeah, just in there. That I, I think I, I'm always think I'm ready, and then when I heard the Zoom ping come in, yeah. I had like a you know post traumatic stress <laughs> yeah. thing, or what's the that reaction. thing when people like people that have been in a war? Oh, yeah, PTSD, and yeah, PTSD, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, you're back in now, um... <laughs> yeah. I got it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I, I keep saying to people that, yeah, oh, yeah, like I'm ready to go back, ready to go back. But I know, like, a week into it, I'll be thinking, Jesus Christ, I can't no, wait till that next holiday. I am not even Six waiting for that. I am already, I'm skipping that and I'm already there. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. my thinking is, why can't it just be like this all the time? The money just <laughs> yeah. appears and I don't really have <laughs> yeah. to do a lot for it. You I don't know? have to do anything. Yeah, That's what's the going? perfect job. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah otherwise, oh, yeah. good. How are you? You're back from your travels. Yeah back my travels yeah i was just doing a couple of different I'm, I'm really i'm actually still reluctant to tell people even though i'm fully vaccinated and it's absolutely fine now to leave the way in and out of the country i'm still always a little bit wary by telling people in case they're like oh right you were in another country were you yeah it's totally, like, it was england though yeah. it was england yeah but it's like <laughs> so it's, it's, it's it's allowed it's it's all right you're vaccinated you know what's the problem mm, so it's all fine the problem is yeah. people as it always is yeah yeah, people and their inability it. to not say things yeah <laughs> just shut the hell up yeah 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 because when you tell people they're like oh right oh so it's it's, yeah. it's okay to do that now so it's like yep it's it's perfectly fine I, as i was telling you i didn't even get asked for my passport yeah. in england as in my actual passport not just my vaccine passport yeah. so brexit, they're they very just, lax over there they just don't care with brexit anymore yeah. they're just they just, they're just hoping you're bringing in some food because there's yeah. there's, there's yeah. all kinds of shortages at the moment you know they hope you've got yeah, a kick exactly. hat in your bag or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, might, you might share it with an english person yeah. um, never yeah, <laughs> that'll be the day <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, we were, actually, no, I won't say that, I was going to say <laughs> yeah, something yeah. about English people, and I've decided not to. Yeah. Anyway, so we said we were going to time this one, because we oh, did yeah. our ramblings one, which was great, and it was, uh, you know, 30 minutes, so we're going to try and keep this to an hour. Are you timing it now? I will, one second now. Uh, <laughs> we both said it. a second ago, let's time this, and neither of us actually time it. did it. <laughs> they never did. Okay, now I am, okay, so we're going, now, we're timing right, it. It's go time. I'm time. Okay. So today, so, after you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so today we're going to talk about um, a documentary called Woodstock 99. 
a film, drama film called Zola, and then a recommendation by Nikki, our mutual friend Nikki Cochran, Tove, sorry, Sway, by Tove Sturk, what's, how do you pronounce your name? Tove Sturka, I think. Okay, right, so I just got the emphasis the wrong way around on those words. Could be wrong, who who can say? But like, (laughs) we gave it a good shot, so hopefully, if they ever hear this, they won't be offended. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'll start um, with um, Woodstock 99. Yeah, we'll start with that. And um, do you want to do the introduction for that? Yeah, I'll do it right now. Okay. In 1969 at Woodstock, New York, on Max Yasger's farm, a half a million people attended a three-day festival of music. Acts such as Jimi Hendrix, The Who, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Sly and the Family Stone, Janis Joplin and Jefferson Airplane all performed to a mud bath containing half a million bathers. 25 years later, Woodstock 94 happened, billed as two more days of peace and music, selling 164,000 tickets. The crowd that actually attended was estimated at over half a million people. With 5,000 people needing medical attention and two deaths, it was broadly in line with the outcome of the original Woodstock. Artists who played that weekend included blues traveller Cheryl Crow, a returning Crosby, Stills and Nash, which made the festival seem like an artistic successor to the original festival. The inclusion of Nine Inch Nails and Metallica introduced a more aggressive strain of music, which was somewhat out of sync with the spirit of the festival. When Woodstock returned in 1999, the more aggressive strain of rock and metal that was dominating American radio at the time was now dominating the schedule for the four days of the festival. All of the security problems of 1994 returned with a vengeance and a crowd of young white privileged males found an outlet for their anger and their destructive impulses in a way not seen before on such a scale. Woodstock 99 Peace, Love and Rage documents the four days of the festival as it spirals into madness, chaos and destruction. Garrett Price's film can be seen on HBO with a European release to be confirmed. How are you guys doing today? Welcome to Woodstock. There is a sixth sense that you develop when you spend your life going to venues. Woodstock, baby. I can tell you a hundred feet away what the energy in that venue is going to be like. It was not your parents' Woodstock. We got off the bus and I was like, something's not right. It was like thousand degrees. I think we should leave so hot here. Water was $4 a bottle, which is a ridiculous cost. The porta potties unusable. You had kids rolling around in what they thought was mud. In an environment where exploiting women, you could get away with it. You could feel something bubbling. In pop culture, there's this dark energy coming from young white males that entertainment is perpetuating. You have a crowd who are excited, inebriated, and you give them a band to help them release that energy. What do you think's gonna happen? They had the crowd going insane. People were dehydrated, passing out. There are a lot of stupid humans around here. We walked off stage and we're like, get out of here. Like, we need to leave right now. There's no rest, there's no breaks, there's no rhythm, there's no come down. It's gonna crash. The laws of normal society just don't apply here. Kids were petrified out there. This wasn't Woodstock 69. There is an umbilical cord between the dark, sexual, cultural underbelly in the country at that time to where we are now. A lot of that energy just wound up in chat rooms and Reddit boards in 2021. The question quickly became not how could this have happened, 
but how could it not? Wasn't it good? <laughs> that was brilliant. Thanks very much. Well done. Um, that was great. Yeah. So you suggested this. Yes. I hadn't even heard. I didn't know this documentary was out. So uh, yeah. why did you suggest it? I am. Um, I because uh, do you remember the fire documentary that we watched? Oh F- yeah. Fyre about the um, yeah. the kind of supposed to be the most expensive exclusive festival mm-hmm. ever staged on, on Pablo yeah. Escobar's island and it all went terribly <laughs> wrong and it was, but it was a brilliant documentary and mm. it kind of when I saw it I, I, f- I felt it had vibes of that about it but what was different about it I guess was the um, fire was a bunch of greedy uh, startup bros kind of you know trying to make this happen and charge ridiculous yeah. amount of money for things and it's all about mm-hmm. the hubris of that falling apart but the woodstock thing seems to come from it has this lineage back from the original woodstock in 69 and then mm-hmm. there was woodstock 95 and then woodstock yeah. 99 and and i knew that woodstock 99 had been this spectacular disaster but yeah. you know it's it seemed almost like the polar opposite of the first Woodstock in some ways, but also had mm. some very similar aspects to the first Woodstock in that people have this idea about the first Woodstock that it was this idyllic uh, peace and love kind of thing. But it was it was an absolute mess. People were killed mm. at it. People died at yeah. it. You know, all kinds of things. So we, we have the documentary about the original Woodstock and it's a bunch of hippies uh, running around um, naked and running in mud and stuff and seeming like they have mm. a great time. But the reality is... You know, it's not quite as it was depicted there. And I think Woodstock mm. 95 was a bit, had kind of pure kind of motives to it. It, yeah, it seemed, seemed to be like, in a Was term. it 95 or 94? I thought it was, oh, Woodstock. It was, it was, it was maybe, maybe it was Maybe it was 95. Like, but it was the, the mm. let's call it the mid 90s Woodstock. It's somewhere in the middle anyway, yeah. yeah. And that seemed to have more of the ethos of the original insofar as mm. it seemed Definitely. to have chosen maybe its, its musical acts a bit more appropriately. Yeah, and, um, definitely, yeah. But then Woodstock 99 comes around and it just seemed to be Woodstock in name only. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and So really, um, what I was interested in the documentary was just to see how that played out because I knew about the final night of it, but I didn't know, I couldn't even tell you what it looked like leading up to that and how it went. Right. You know? Okay, yeah. yeah. So you just knew that there was people pulling down things and fires and things like that. I knew that, um, see, what what kind of struck me about it was that it seemed to be this very big turning point in, in, in kind of recognizing this, this, what's still going on today, this kind of crisis in, 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 in masculinity in a way. And mm. just the way that played out and just the, the yeah. attitude of these people and how, how their behavior and the, the entitlement of it all is still going on today and mm. it's, it's worse in, in many ways but it, it was it just kind of um it just seemed to be a real flashpoint for that kind of behavior and yeah it's uh and it's place in american culture and it kind of happened at mm. a point when it's kind of right on that line of um the internet becoming like there was no social media, there were, there were no smartphones at this time in, in 99. I mean, like the, the mm. iPhone came out in 2007, 
you know yeah, so yeah it, yeah you kind of forget yeah. that i was when they mentioned that in the it was, it was there was one particular group of people who were talking about when they lost a friend and they were saying you know this was back in the days before mobile phones we actually had no way to get yeah. in touch with them and you forget yeah, yeah in 99 absolutely. we didn't have any yeah. of that and if stuff. you did yeah. have a phone it was it was very very basic you know yeah um, yeah so i mean the idea of this this festival was this three-day festival that they staged on a mm. military base because they felt mm. the, the infrastructure would be there in terms of buildings and stuff like that but it soon became apparent that they didn't have that. And um, the lineup was just the most bizarre lineup. Ridiculous, uh, yeah. And, but there was odd <laughs> people there smashed. too. Like there was, like Elvis Costello was playing there yeah. in the afternoon or yeah. something. And then Ju- mm. Jewel, you know that, that Jewel. artist, Jewel. She, yeah. she went I on. actually don't know any of her songs. I've heard of her. So, you know, yes. I know she is a recording she, artist. I don't. I wouldn't know her at all. Is she like a Tory Amos type No, she's artist, not, as, or... she's not uh, as angsty as that. She's a bit more... Okay. She's a bit more kind of Cheryl Crowy kind of, right. you know, okay, yeah. country pop kind of thing. You know? Right. Okay. Um, yeah. But she was put on directly before, was it uh, Limp Bizkit, Rage Against the Machine <laughs> and Metallica? Yes. Such, you know, a, and, such and, a strange combination. Just a weird kind of, you know. I actually just, yeah, or I was, felt so. Or was Alanis Morissette so put on just before them as well? I think I think Alanis Morissette was just before Corn, was it? Right. And then. Yeah, yeah. A Jew might have been just before Limp Bizkit because I think they were on two separate days. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it just or one of them might have been on before the Chili Peppers, but it just seemed like the the weirdest mishmash yeah. of, of people. And as I was watching it, because they were saying like I was thinking, God, if I was Alanis Morissette now coming out to that crowd, because everybody, all of the musicians who talked were talking about that energy that yeah, they could yeah. feel from the crowd, and especially by the second day, they yeah. could feel it was this really kind of negative angry energy everybody was absolutely boiling they were saying everyone yeah. was so hot that there was the whole thing that they um they weren't allowed to bring in water and the organizers were charging like four dollars or something which was the same price they were charging for beer uh, yeah so people yeah. go i'll just drink so beer but, but becoming yeah, more dehydrated as a result of drinking beer yeah and, uh, but i was thinking if i was alanis morissette singing the type of music that she does to that particular crowd yeah. I, I actually thought oh the, the crowd seemed to be relatively nice to her <laughs> but but I, isn't I it ironic you know throw anything, anything <laughs> at her <laughs> because like when they die yeah so but i was really glad that you recommended this documentary because i hadn't i hadn't heard of yeah. it at all and uh I, I'd heard a little bit about Woodstock 99 and I knew that again that it had descended into chaos and mm. that was kind of the thing that stopped uh, Woodstock but I didn't know it was anywhere near as bad yeah. as it actually was but and again I didn't realise sorry no, no, go on, you're, you're I, I didn't realise there was a Woodstock in 94 or 95 whatever year mm. it was as well and that definitely seemed like the Cranberries were playing yeah, at that yeah. and it seemed like but then well one of the things that kind of struck me when I was watching the documentary because as I was watching it I was thinking um, right this is 99 I know Kirk Cobain died in what year was it? Ninety seven? No, ninety three. Oh, he died in ninety three. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. Oh right, okay, right. He died in ninety three. Right. No, um, I'm fact God, check I didn't that realize way. it was. Th- yeah, I didn't realize it was so early. But as they were, as they were talking, I was thinking, uh, God, I wonder that like the music has changed so much from ninety four to ninety nine. It was like around the time of ninety four. I, sp- I know. Kirk yeah, Cobain sorry, ninety four. He died. Yeah, yeah. He you know, died in ninety four, so yeah. I suppose he kind of would have been almost at the height of his cult status. Yeah, then, and you imagine he, he died in that hole. Yeah, they would have probably been. Well, I don't know. Would they have been playing at that? I don't know if they would have gone for that gig, but they would have been mm, wanted for that gig. I'm sure, you know. But yeah, yeah I think yeah. I agree. Like when you're saying that, the, it seemed like a real change of the guard in terms of music mm. at that point, because they were talking in the in the documentary bands like uh, was a Creed. 
Just dre- yeah. dreadful, dreadful bands. Terrible, but, terrible. Uh, but they were nowhere near as bad as Limp Biscuit. And, yeah. Uh, no, I wouldn't put Rage Against the Machine in that category because I think mm. I think they're they're an interesting band whether you like them or not. Yeah. But they're not knuckleheads like uh, like Limp Biscuit are. Oh my or, God, that guy or is. Fucking Kid no. Rock. Yeah, Kid that was Rock. the first Jesus thing I noticed Christ. about the documentary. As soon as it started, I actually made some noticing. The documentary makes you realise how shit some music was. <laughs> <laughs> like what what was that song playing in the intro i don't know what it was it might have been by the offspring or something but it was that real like kind of energetic sort of rock yeah, pop yeah, yeah. just it's terrible j- like music rock, that i you know? yeah music i would have liked probably when i was uh, whatever i was 10 or 9 or yeah, 10 yeah. just listen back to it now which is and I, I kind of made notes of this the whole way through i just kept going jesus the music was just terrible yeah, back then like shocking. like limp biscuit uh, it's new metal, isn't that what it was called? Yeah, like yeah, Limp Biscuit and yeah. Um, yeah, and then Corn. Like I do think Corn has some good. I wouldn't really be that into them myself, but they're a cut I above, think they have though, some. Yeah, 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 I definitely think they're. Not my they're thing, but you can definitely see that they're smarter than that. But yeah, but the the thing about um, uh, there was was wasn't a Moby who said that when he arrived there, he was looking at the lineup and kind of going, "This is yeah. a very strange lineup." And, yeah, and it was all like there was one female act on every day the pure yeah. tokenism like just, just trying to get them in there it, it's somebody called the, the smurfette principle you know and the, the smurf oh, yeah. there's one girl <laughs> you know and uh, yeah. and you see it on movie posters all the time the token girl in the gang you know mm, um, yeah but it was just it just seemed like they were just using the woodstock name just to sell tickets and fine oh that's totally fine. But yeah it, but it just yeah. Seemed, there was no more thought put into it than mm. just hijacking the name again you know yeah and i yeah. think it was that changeover to this kind of entitled white uh male angry young man but angry for i don't know what I, they're angry about they angry? They're, 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 they're coming the from privilege the, i don't really understand yeah the whole yeah. way through when i think it was jewel or somebody actually asked this question because they have quite a lot of interviews in the documentary which is great and they're all really interesting um and so well some woman i don't know if cheryl it's you or someone else oh maybe it was cheryl crow yeah. talking about these angry white young men and it's like, what exactly are you angry about yeah, you're exactly. so pro- i'm not trying to like you know because if there is a collective anger amongst people there is obviously a reason yeah. for it. there must be some yeah. reason for it but it's hard to watch it and go what exactly are you angry but there's about? one thing about being angry but these people were disgusting they were yeah. absolute <laughs> animals they were just people. like and yeah, the way they, they treated the terrible. women there and then there was this oh, uh, uh, there was this attempt to kind of blame the women who uh, taking uh, their tops off uh, you know the whole they were what were they doing that for they, they must have known mm. this would happen yeah oh, my god these people were absolute pigs oh, they were, and when yeah. when moby was talking in his interview he was saying um that he got this as well as saying that it was such a weird he, he said he got there and he saw the bands he was thinking this is a weird kind of collection of people he, he noticed that his name wasn't on it but he said he, he just sensed straight away that something wasn't wasn't right yeah. there was something kind of going on with the crowd and i was thinking it was like that must be terrifying yeah. as an artist to arrive and actually i was wondering then i was thinking i wonder has will ever felt that on a gig like have you ever got to a gig and just got this sense that i don't know something's not right or it's just a, a strange yeah sometimes it only takes a couple of people you know like in a class for instance it only takes a couple of people yeah to flavor the whole thing you know mm. and um yeah I mean, not on that scale obviously but it was you know any any gigs that i played were that were of any kind of decent sized crowd were always quite nice actually but i think once it gets beyond a certain size 
there's this uncontrollable element that comes into this this yeah. chaos that 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 lands and um yeah but also it was like the perfect storm of of uh mismanagement like they were just they were just hiring people for security giving them oh, the security was and, ridiculous and they would just take the t-shirt off vanish into and the crowd go, and never yeah. be seen again you know yeah, yeah it was crazy but when it was a sh it showed a clip of corn playing and I remember thinking, as I was watching that clip, I was thinking, if I was a woman, especially in that crowd, anyone really, yeah. but it just looked terrifying to be in that crowd because when the, you know, the chorus kicked in or yeah. whatever, everybody just went mental. And it was even worse the next day when Limp Bizkit yeah. uh, played. But I was just thinking, imagine being somebody in that crowd or especially being a woman in that crowd. I was thinking that would be extremely, oh, God, yeah. I would find that extremely frightening but, experience. Yeah, I just, but, any crowd outside that would just be... I don't know why anyone would want to go to a gig of that scale, but yeah, especially in yeah. the, the mosh pit of it as yeah. well, and then the portaloos as well. They were saying that there was the portaloos there, but they started like people were rolling around the mud, but they were very, you know, it was very obvious that that was like it was all mud and human feces as well. Yeah. So people were not just rolling around <laughs> in that, like yeah. for the very first day. But then Kid Rock came on, and again, I just as soon as I saw that, it's that, and Moby again made a really good point where he said there was a strange phase in music then where they were borrowing from all these different genres mm. like hip-hop or um heavy metal or whatever else but not taking any of the interesting nuances for yeah, them yeah. just going for the, the misogyny strokes, yeah. and just going for basically the the crapness yeah. of some of them and then not bringing any of the interesting yeah. and kid, kid rock will it. kind of feed into the confederate kind of redneck mm. kind of ignorant racist kind of thing but there was a moment when um that rapper dmx was on Oh, and yeah. he had this yeah. he had this thing where there's a call and response where yeah. he says something the crowd goes my n-word right yeah and, yeah but you look at it, it's just a sea of white guys shouting yeah, my like n-word back at him and mm. for one i would say to him where is your self-respect that you would allow I that know. to be done to yourself i know don't that, do that song to a bunch about. of white assholes but, but yeah but also um it just it just kind of enabled them it just kind of gave them permission mm. you know Oh, 100%. Yeah, that so many men, like I think it was, I think it might have been actually the only African-American person who was interviewed in the documentary, but he it was a journalist and he was saying, yeah, you kind of get the impression that these are people that are looking for any excuse They're dying to say, to say it, word. you know, I know yeah. you've, just, you've just given them, yeah. legitimized their, their, their desire yeah. to say it. But, but the part with Limp Bizkit, like the next day Limp Bizkit played and the whole thing was everybody was, because Limp Bizkit were huge at the time. Yeah. I think they were kind of, you know, at the pinnacle of their success yeah. and everybody, especially these guys who'd gone, this, you know, they couldn't wait to see, see Limp Bizkit and especially Fred Durst. And then, so the, the, the energy was already kind of a bit, um, I suppose what's the word like volatile, <laughs> feisty yeah. is the only yeah. Yeah, volatile not feisty <laughs> more than feisty yeah. and then he and then he was saying okay now i want you to take that anchor and i chat and channel it and you know just get it out there yeah. and everything else and, I, then, and then, then people started pulling down say, things yeah and surfing and he said something about um do you ever just wake up one day and decide you're gonna break shit and stuff like that yeah. <laughs> it's like stop saying stuff and like that and then the promoters take him to one side <laughs> off the stage and you can see them mm. talking to him saying calm this shit down and then he goes yeah. right back out and says something inflammatory and, to and does it again yeah. yeah like was that was it Woodstock 99 because obviously I, there was a lot of, lot of coverage especially by MTV at the time talking about what a disaster it was was it that performance and that that kind of event and everything else because that's kind of when the destruction started because mm. they started um pulling down things and then people started crowd surfing yeah, on yeah. them like these pieces of wood that was or the whatever. start of it but there was a moment a little later on where you, so they have these um these metal frames 
uh, acting as fences and there's like a metal sheet covering it and there was a guy two guys were kicking away at one one of these sections now it's about eight foot tall maybe three foot wide big rectangular piece mm-hmm. of metal on a frame and they're kicking and kicking it but yeah. the the five or six either side of them were completely gone yeah and they're kind of going, why are you just so, the are you trying to get in is that you know? yeah and i was just amazed I by it was it was just like destruction for yeah. absolute no sake of it at all but um i was wondering was like then you know the way now obviously everybody the consensus is everybody hates limp biscuit and fred durst and thinks they were just crap mm. all along so was that the turning point was it after that do you think that people kind of started to go against that type of music but particularly that band and him. well I, th- I think they still stayed popular for quite a while i mean th- those guys there was plenty of people there who liked them and they sold it they were one of the last bands that sold a lot of records do you know what i mean right uh, okay, but i think yeah. what happened i think because they had set that emotion the next next up was rage against the machine who are a very yeah. political band and you know they yeah, have their, yeah yeah that's what i, I can't remember the name thought, of the song yeah. but it's got the refrain Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me over and over and over again. Oh, killing in the name of. Killing in the name of, that's it. But so mm. the thing about that was, it's like the Nirvana thing where Kurt Cobain said that he, he, they would do shows and people would be at the shows that he knew were the kind of guys who would punch him in the face mm. when he was in school. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's the same thing. I think Rage Against the Machine must be looking out and going, look at these idiots. These mm. are, these people are not getting They're it. They're not our target audience. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. I thought they were straight. I think it's just because of their sound. Obviously, the promoters thought, oh, this is, the, this is kind of the sound yeah. that we're going for. This kind of almost angry, shouty thing. But it kind of just goes to show you what Little Thought was put into mm. the bands. And there was a, a female journalist there, I think, who was at Woodstock 99. Yeah. And she made a comment uh, that, you know, it was so strange because guys, you know, angry white young men who are kind of going mental at um, Limp Biscuit mm. are not going to go into the rave tent and bliss out to Moby. That's no. true. Like, it's a completely different... They're two completely different acts. And, like, you know, that's why you have fest- you know, specific festivals. Like, when Oxygen is around, I don't know if it's still going on, but they had very specific bands. And then Electric Picnic had a completely different vibe to yeah, it. And yeah. then Glastonbury kind of has a different vibe to it yeah. as well. Like, there's a reason why these festivals kind of have their own exactly. vibe. Exactly. And certainly with a thing like Woodstock, where you just go, why are you even calling it Woodstock? If these are the acts you're putting on. But I think it's, yeah. it's like... A, there's a um, there's a great podcast called The Best Show, and the host is a guy called Tom Sharpling, and he's very very funny. And he said, but he he made a point once that he said that heavy metal, whatever you feel about heavy metal, it's it's one of the the dumbest kind of um, genres of music insofar as there yeah, seems to be a very high proportion of, of people. There's a lot of good stuff. Any musical genre has loads of great stuff, and there's the cream of the crop, and then there's. But he said in terms of there's a huge chunk of the fan base that just does not seem to grow up or does yeah. not seem to, mm. you know, mm-hmm. get past the 13 year old boy mentality, you know, yeah. where they, they can't appreciate the consequences of their actions. That's very broad strokes. And, but it seemed to be mm. that if that's a percentage of the heavy metal <clears throat> audience, they were all at Woodstock 99 yeah. Yeah, and all <laughs> the smart like that, ones yeah. stayed home. Now there was plenty of people in the documentary yeah. who were condemning the actions of people on at the time like you know saying they're, they're all they're gonna think we're all like this and stuff like that yeah but, no true yeah. there was a lot of people but there there was saying such that, a but... significant number of people yeah overwhelming and, and then just and the... yeah sorry go on. 
Yeah, and just I was just gonna say the uh, the amount of assaults that happened against women as well, and and yeah. like there was so many women who reported to have been raped even afterwards, yeah. and and probably a lot more that didn't go reported as well, and there was just this culture there, kind of like it was somebody even said, oh you know basically there's no rules here, it's kind of like the wild west because there was no police, yeah. and then eventually the police came in, and that was crazy because how not it was crazy to see how nice the police were to these white yeah, young guys exactly. and somebody made the comment which is very true if that was like a hip-hop gig or if there were it was mainly yeah, black yeah. guys there then it would have been treated Absolutely. they would have been treated completely Cheer differently and, yeah. but yeah. um there was one moment that i i, I it's a very tiny moment where there, seemed, there was a guy standing there it was just in the early part of the third day i think and he had a big cardboard sign that said something like uh asking women to show them their their boobs and it was big or small mm. i want to see them all but there was an <laughs> yeah. aggressiveness to the sign the way he, he was kind of holding mm. it up and the way he was going and i was looking at him and i was just looking you know this was the the dorkiest looking you know um but the, he seemed he felt so entitled do you know what i mean yeah like yeah who oh, are you to have a boob shown to you even one know. you know yeah i mean even a but little it's just, bit of he it. felt like that he felt it was okay to do that or to yeah, you know, know. act that way. It was mind bending. Yeah, uh, but that, that was, that seemed to be the mentality of that. It was kind of like, like even the promoter, yeah. or who sounded like an absolute idiot anyway, not the hippie promoter, the other yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, He was saying, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it was their fault, but like if women are going to go around without their boobs or without their tops yeah. on and their boobs out, like basically what did they expect? Basically saying they were asking yeah, for it absolutely. and not so many words. She's thinking, Jesus yeah. and it, Christ. And it, so that was. And it, but it, it was, it was shocking to see like the women take their tops off. In the crowd, and then like some random guy would just reach up for Quite a, a, a yeah. grab of the yeah. boob, and yeah, and I was just, Jesus yeah. Christ! I know, it was, it was but I, and that just yeah, no, I really enjoyed the documentary though. It was great. I, I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting to because I kind of I knew I had to watch it, but for some reason I was sort of putting it off a bit, and I didn't I didn't think it would be as interesting when I watched it, and it kind of stayed in my head mm. for a long time afterwards, just thinking about it, and even just kind of going back I suppose because obviously you know, I, I was around at that time or I was 11 or 12 or whatever at that time no 13 14 let's not go into the maths of this but, yeah. <laughs> um, but even just there's a little bit of a nostalgia there but that type of nostalgia where you're thinking I'm so glad that that music is not around anymore it is so terrible but I, I really enjoyed the documentary I thought it was great but just to kind of finish up um, I you kind of answered this question already because when I was watching it I was thinking wow it's great that that type of aggression isn't really there anymore with white young men or you don't see it as or you know they can't get away with that sort of stuff anymore but i think you're right i think it probably is there it's just on reddit boards or it's on you know it's online or it's hidden do you know what i possibly still is there i kind of see it in kind of little microaggressions not towards me but i see it in people's behavior like i often find that you know when you're driving and some guy decides he's going to cross the road he doesn't have the lights or anything he's just crossing the road and they and you're coming towards them and obviously you're going to slow down, but they will not mm-hmm. pick up their pace no. in any yeah, way that's true. because Actually, they, yeah. because you'll think they're gay or something yeah. like that, you know. Yeah. And also in, I, um, I, I, I have um, uh, I have an album that just came out, and one of the things, one of the songs that mm-hmm. I was writing this kind of kind of tongue in cheek song a little bit about um, just how all guys these days seem to think that they're great fighters for some reason. Yeah, they seem to think that they just. Yeah. You know, they can't picture themselves losing a fight. 
You know? mm. And I remember there was a guy uh, I used to work with who said before that, um, if somebody broke into my house and beat the shit out of all of this stuff. And you're kind of going, but why do you think you're going to win that fight? You know, you, yeah. just, if what anyone's you prepared to break into your house and stuff like that, yeah. they've probably been in more fights than you. And I remember saying, mm. when was the last fight you were in? And he said, well, never really been. <laughs> and my friend Mike in, in, a pre, in a previous band had a, had a great song called I've Never Been in a Real Fight. And uh, but, yeah. but but these guys act like, well, I would win because I'm awesome. Too many guys yeah. think they're awesome. You know? Oh, way too many. Oh, way my God. too many. Yeah. Just kind of... Well, I'd try being a woman in a world where men think they're great oh, gee, I, and I they don't do anything wrong. I can't even imagine. But it's <laughs> yeah. all, people would do well to remember how farty they are. Do you know what yes. I mean? How kind of just you are there's whatever soundtrack is playing in your head, young man, to your life. That's yeah. You know, they think they're in a Tarantino movie or something. And, yeah. But also, yeah, there's a lot of kind of guys who would just go, "Oh, everyone else is doing this. I better do that too. I don't want to step out of line. I don't want to kind of, you know." Mm, and yeah. that's, I think, what the crisis is. It's just people are overly concerned about what other people think of them. Yeah, about looking definitely. weak in any way and i just yeah yeah but that that documentary there was so much in there of white male privilege and aggression and unearned um arrogance and you know mm-hmm. and just this automatic assumption that they're amazing people yeah and, it, yeah. and everything that they're kind of uh infallible yeah. i suppose that and, you know they can do whatever they yeah. want and it'll be and fine, fine. And, and and if you have a problem with it well that's your problem you know you know yeah yeah you definitely know? yeah I, I don't know where it comes from and it's still around yeah, definitely it's getting it would be worse, great I mean, if it was kind of yeah, kicked out of them nice. at some stage <laughs> yeah metaphorically kicked out of them i don't mean yeah, literally but vac- you know if some of them literally yeah. have to be oh the, if, the vaccine if the vaccine could help in some way if they could just add a little <laughs> something to reduce aggression you know yeah anyway so but no i thought it was great and i would definitely i, I would definitely yeah, recommend wholeheartedly it. recommend it it's uh yeah. woodstock 99 and it's a hbo documentary so i think sky uh atlantic might be your best bet to check mm-hmm. where that might yeah. be coming from okay yeah, definitely great okay How are we doing so time now wise? we'll move we're doing we're on 25 no sorry we're on 30 minutes so we need to speed it up yeah, a little bit we're okay we're okay <laughs> we're doing well but uh, so the next movie is a film called zola and i'm going to give my short introduction now and as i do that i'm going to close my window because somebody's go- started going mad with a streamer outside oh, i don't know if you could hear that or not but anyway here is my introduction to zola In 2015, a part-time dancer from Detroit called Azealia Zola-Wells went viral with a cheeky Twitter thread purporting to tell the factual tale of her recent crazily dangerous road trip to Florida with someone called Jessica whom she'd only just met. The acclaimed writer-director Jasinska Bravo this year brought this stranger-than-fiction saga to cinematic life in her most recent film Zola. In the film Zola, played by newcomer Taylor Page, strikes up a new friendship with the customer Stephanie, Riley Kyo, who seduces her to join a weekend of dancing and partying in Florida. What at first seems like a glamorous trip full of hoism, rapidly transforms into a 48-hour journey involving a nameless pimp, an idiot boyfriend, some Tampa gangsters and other expected adventures in this wild, see-it-to-believe-it tale. With production company and distributor A24 knocking it out of the park recently with their selection of films, Will and I get to decide whether this film holds up to the standard that's already been set by its predecessors. Good job.
be down to the radio Okay. All right. So again, you recommended Zola. So I hadn't heard about it yeah. at all. So how did you uh, hear about a, it? It's a about? film from the company A24. Yeah. Who have become, oh, who, they have really become this kind of benchmark of quality, I think. And I really mm-hmm. just just the fact that it was an A24 film made me kind of interested. I don't know if you've seen the new trailer for a film they're putting out called Lamb. No, no. Have a look at that. Somebody put up on Lamb. Twitter that this is the most A24 film ever. <laughs> you know? Oh, really? So have a look at that. It's really it, slick and stylish. Yeah, but it, there's, a, there's a moment in that trailer where I went <gasps> like that. And it was, oh, right? it was just, okay. oh, I don't know. It's just a bit grim. Flam. But it's, okay, um, okay so uh, Zola is a film based on a, a Twitter thread from mm-hmm. the, the title character, um, uh, who goes by the Twitter handle at Zola. And mm-hmm. uh, so she put up this, I think it was a hundred and something, 130. 144 tweets. Yeah. Her name is Azealia King. Azealia King. So she's telling the whole mm-hmm. story in that. And that was. In 2015. Yeah. And that's what was bought uh, and turned into a movie. So this tells yeah, the story of Zola. And she is a pole dancer and mm-hmm. a waitress in a, like a diner. And one night yeah. she meets, uh, is this Stephanie is the girl's name? Stephanie is the name. I think yeah. she's based on, the, the, the real person apparently is called Jessica. Right. So this character in the film, Stephanie is reportedly based on Jessica yeah. that's mentioned in these tweets. Who's a very white girl who has this very affected kind of, it's like her take on how black women talk. It's this, so it's called a blackcent apparently. Yeah. And it's an actual Yeah, thing. and it used to be people, people used to too. call it ebonics. Do you remember that that phrase? It was a very nineties oh. thing, ebonics. Right. Which ebonics, is a very right. much a white invention to explain the differences between black people and them, you know? But oh, right. it's uh, <laughs> so she has a black scent, right? That's a that's a mm. more current term for it. So she has this exaggerated way of talking that's a mix between she's a very southern kind of character she has a very yeah. southern accent mm-hmm. when she lets it slip but it's like she mixes it in with this black scent so they yeah. they meet and have a seem to have a good night together and the next day she suggests that they go to florida where mm-hmm. they can make a lot of money over the weekend by dancing for mm-hmm. you know a mix of stage shows and private dances and stuff like that yeah so they head down there with her boyfriend who is played by nicholas braun who derek is yeah. that he's from, he's in succession he's succession, yeah. playing an, a similarly gormless character in succession yeah. since a really corner <laughs> the market plays a um, very similar character but he uh and then there's this uh the setter man who you're not quite sure of what the relationship is yeah later she calls him her roommate right but we don't now, know yeah soon enough it turns out and this is in the trailer if people watch it but soon enough it turns out that he is her pimp and one of the things yeah. they're down there to do is prostitution. And Zola mm. hasn't signed up for this, but is put in the position where she can't leave. And yeah. on, the, on the first night where Stephanie is, has all these clients set up, Zola takes over, increases the mm. money that she is charging, and she goes on to make a lot of money that night. And then, it's, yeah. then it starts to... It's a, not that it's been going so well to now, but it really starts to fall apart after <laughs> really that. Really starts to go yeah. downhill. So, what did yeah. you think of it? it? 
Yeah, I loved it. I realized I hadn't heard about I hadn't heard of it at all. I didn't know anything about it. Didn't look it up, which is something I started doing now because you know I think I think we've talked about this before. Trailers just mm. give everything away Absolutely. in films, yeah, and yeah. and even reading about it. So I just didn't look anything up, and then started. I saw A twenty four, and I thought brilliant yeah. <laughs> straight away because just any A twenty four film I've yeah. seen in the last year or two has been so good. And it's not just the films are good. I really like. I love the look at them. I think yeah. there's a very specific look yeah, to A twenty four films. Yeah. It's that kind of really cool sort of stylish almost looks like it's harking back to 70s style yeah. film or yeah, something like that but it's obviously kind of look to it at yeah times I, well. do, I don't know if there's like a certain type of film they're using or if that's all post-production or whatever it is but it looks great yeah. i think and it really when it started it really reminded me I, I i definitely told you about this film but i don't know if you watched it the one called waves no it was another a24 film you should oh, watch, that. watch that it today, was brilliant actually. i love yeah. that yeah it was really really good it reminded me of waves in terms of the the camera movements and the cuts now it, that that's kind of where the similarities end mm. they're very different after that but even the kind of use of music there's a lot more music in waves but the music is very i suppose it's affected the use of it like it's very specific mm. when it does come in but there's not as much music in this but one. i thought the music but, was um, really strong in this because it, it, the music was such a, an odd choice and i thought an amazing choice because it it, it was like um it was like fairy tale music. These beautiful yeah. strings was, and these glissando yeah. kind of, you know, those chimes. That, you know, yeah, yeah. But it was like it was, it was like yeah. a fairy tale, and I thought yeah. that was great. Do you think that was there to try and replicate? Um, I know they actually had tweet sounds and all this sort of stuff, but do you think that was there to replicate the sound of social media almost? No, I think I think because the A twenty four have this kind of. They tend to do films that you could more or less a lot of times describe as horror films in a way. And this one mm. kind of played out in a similar way in that it was there's this awful air of menace all the way through it. That, and yeah, yeah. And it was um but I thought the fairy tale music in it was so well placed because obviously the, the fairy yeah. tale start that morphs into a nightmare kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And but I thought there was so there were so many great touches in it. Like There'd be a shot going by from out the window of a car and then you'd hear the camera noise and that still frame would shrink down like it does on a phone and then it goes yeah. on. But also, yeah. do you remember when he arrived at the motel first and there's two yeah. kids on the upper level with a basketball oh, yeah. and he just kept doing yeah. the same move over that, and over again yeah, and it became yeah. a percussion kind of thing almost yeah you know? it did that was brilliant was so yeah I good. love I, I, I'm really into films now at the moment where it's very obvious they're films yeah. like they're making it very yeah. obvious that this is not reality yeah. or it's somebody's well this was somebody's memory I yeah. suppose so the whole way through and I thought it really played out like mm. that it's like you don't know whether to completely trust what she's saying or not because this is obviously her own account yeah. of it and they kind of make reference to that in that for a very short space of time Stephanie gets to tell her side of it which is very funny yeah, but it's absolutely. only given like 10 she's only given 10 minutes of airtime but that whole section is very funny but I love films where it's making it very obvious to the viewer it's kind of a Brett Brechtian thing I think they were in that back in the day with, in plays where these directors were kind of making it very obvious to the audience members that you're watching something fake and it was supposed to be kind of like uh, kind of it would hopefully encourage yeah. people to go out like a call to action or whatever and I know that's not what films are doing well, maybe that is part of why directors are doing that now in films but that's a style that I really mm. like so I remember remember that part when they're walking into the motel and, and the two guys are doing that and I think like, oh brilliant I hope that's going to keep happening yeah. or there's these kind of slightly surreal odd moments that just kind of kind of catch it yeah. catch it off guard and you think oh that's strange that that's yeah. happened or it kind of just interrupts the flow of, of the scene almost a little I bit. I like but, the, also that in I guess do you remember in um, Normal People mm -hmm. where they used um, for the main character the female character I can't remember her name is it Marion and 
she to kind of symbolize how broken she was as a person they gave her these kind of you know out of the norm sexual interests like she was into kind of uh pain and bondage and stuff like that yeah and they yeah. used it as shorthand kind of oh well, obviously she's damaged because no normal mm. person would be into this and into that. you yeah. didn't get the the impression that um the stephanie character was being traumatized by yeah. anyone other than the guy controlling her the the, the pimp character yeah. you know and when mm-hmm. like when she was seeing the clients she very much saw herself as a sex worker and i kind of yeah you know and i thought, yeah, thought that definitely. was an interesting approach to it but mm. what was was really um you know i kept expecting that she you know for the most part she would meet a client who was going to be horrible to her mean to her yeah and that, i was expecting yeah. that too yeah. and that, that that cliche didn't come through and stuff like that mm. but uh there was this montage scene of older men coming to oh, see God. her where they the all got their willies out <laughs> it was horrible and there was one in particular <laughs> that that did not either look real or it looked like there was something wrong with that one. There like, was that definitely not... something wrong with it. It looked like he had popped a pineapple up, up in there. Oh God, it was, it was, it was to his knees, but it was like, yeah. it was like, it was, it was like, generally it was like a bowling pin. Like yes. being held by the narrow end at the top. And the... Yeah, it looked like it was going to fall off. It looked there, there, like it was so heavy at the been, bottom. Oh my God, There must have been horrible. some surgery going on. It looked like a, an American yeah. football. In yeah. the shape and I was going yeah. what the f-? I, I saw that and I yeah, actually listen. gasped when I saw it I was going yeah. Jesus what the you know I said I can't watch but this the, anymore but this side note but related side note did you watch Sex Life the, the show that I recommended there uh, I watched episode one it was one of the worst things I've ever seen yeah. but I did no, watch the episode that, the bit that everyone's talking about the shower yeah, yeah. scene now, yeah. did you watch that? Now, but now I've, I've learned since that apparently it was a prosthetic. But because uh, I, I remember there's a lot of that. men breathing think, a sigh of relief that that's not yeah. real. <laughs> because apparently the ta- at the time Adam Damos, who's the Australian actor, yeah. said, "No, I did all the nude stuff myself. That was definitely all me." And I was thinking, I remember when I did actually like pause it because I was looking at it going like, "That's one hundred percent not real. Yeah. Like there is no way. He, there's just no way." If that, that guy real. gets anyway excited, he's gonna faint because. Yeah. There's just not a lo- enough blood for the rest of them, if that's real. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, side, on side from note, this. side but note. Side note. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, that particular, and actually, when that started, I was thinking, oh, that I don't think this is gonna go well. When the men started coming in, but th- that was one thing. Yeah, it was interesting, and even in the strip clubs when they were dancing and everything else, and um, gonna see the men there. And there's one stage, it's, it's the that Zola is dancing in this club in Florida. And she's kind of dancing up to this man and this really skinny oh, white guy yeah, in a vest, vest on. puts money in her g-string, and he's like, "You," he said, uh, "You know, you really look like Whoopi Goldberg or something <laughs> like that." And you you really see the it, like that kind of scene was not glorified at no, all. No, it wasn't it was. at all yeah. kind of hyped up. And I like that about it—the fact that you're really seeing the reality yeah. of it and the kind of kind of grimness to yeah. it, I suppose. And like, not that there's anything wrong with people who do that, but that there's a very seedy side yeah, to it. They, mainly from people who go to these yeah. places and oh, they weren't just, polishing it, it up for anybody at all you know no no and i like that because i watched and i watched a film there recently oh what's it called the one with jennifer lopez in it and she's yeah, a dancer yeah. exotic dancer yeah. um, i can't remember how hustlers yeah. yeah i had to turn off it was so boring like how yeah. it's like how is a film about strippers so boring but, but, it was, <laughs> but i kind of thought that was a bit glamorized a little bit like they were trying to be realistic yeah. but like jennifer lopez is in it how, how realistic yeah, is exactly. it going to be because like nobody looks like her <laughs> but i but, think um, it's also a lot of movies like that follow the um 
like the Goodfellas model, you know, where yeah. there's a lot, you know, they, they, they have their great glory years. Everything is brilliant. They're making loads of money, but here comes the yeah. fall. And then it's, yes. and, and like, yeah, like yeah. sometimes do it so well, like uh, Boogie Nights is just an amazing mm. yeah, you know, version yeah. of that. And, but it's, it's, yeah. uh, but I, what I liked about this was it ended small. Very, yeah, you know, and yeah. I, kind of like real exactly, life. Exactly, yeah. Suppose, they didn't yeah. kind of say, "Well, the ending is not movie ending. We got to change that." Yeah. But I thought I I liked um, the Derek character in it, the Nicholas Braun guy from Succession, because he has that vacuous kind of dangerous stupidity to him. Yeah. And yeah, if you go definitely. too cliched with that, he becomes this uh, chaotic force of nature that is just there to serve the story. But the reality is. He's chaotic. He's he's uh, dangerous, but he's more than any of that. He's stupid, you know, and yes, that's what that's wins out with him at the end of the day. But uh, yeah, I really, exactly, really enjoyed yeah. it. I thoroughly recommend it. I don't yeah. know if it's gotten a cinema release here yet. But... Yeah, I don't know because it was re- yeah it's, it was released. It says twenty twenty one, but I don't know. I I saw it advertised on Instagram a lot, yeah. so I know it was on you know available to watch online. But um, I don't know if it's been out in the cinema yet. Well, but uh, we... I, I think it'd be it would be brilliant to see it in the cinema if you can yeah. see it. I think um, if you know it's definitely something I'd recommend, and it's uh, anyone mm. to seek out in whatever form they can. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. yeah, no doubt. And also, just to say, the actor who played um, the guy who turns out to be uh, uh, Stephanie's pimp, uh, his name is called the actor is Coleman Domingo. I don't know if you watched Euphoria. Oh, I think he did. Euphoria. Yes, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Euphoria. Yeah, so he's in. He's in the episode, the pilot episode. Of, no, sorry, the 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 extra, the special episode. That's of that. the one the I haven't seen. Yeah, and yeah, and I just think he's amazing, yeah. and his voice is brilliant. There's something about his voice that's gonna. He just has this great. You can kind of imagine him reading an audio. But do you remember when he went from his American accent into his the, the, the Nigerian, Nigerian accent. accent that it was so yeah. terrifying, you know? Yeah. But I think yeah, the director, uh, the amazingly named Janiksa Bravo. What yeah, a name! Yeah, uh, yeah, she just did an amazing job because that is a, she a really brilliantly did. directed film. It's so good. Yeah. yeah, and it's great to see. I've been kind of watching a lot of films recently that have been directed, are written by women, yeah. and it's it's and this whole film, you know, it's it's mainly women yeah, yeah, in it. Absolutely. You know, that there's to the two main stars yeah. are women, and it's great. Yeah, so loved it, loved the style of it yeah. and the look of it, and it almost even though it's about social media and everything else, it kind of felt like a movie from the nineties in a way with it the did. sort of freeze frames and the voiceovers yeah, yeah. and everything else. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was great. So yeah, I would I would definitely recommend, recommend it. it. Well, Brilliant. We're on a roll. Okay, flying along. We're on forty five minutes. Okay, all right. So the final thing that we are going to uh, review is Tove Skirt. Tove Sturka. Tove Sturka. Tove Sturka, who's a Swedish pop star, her album Sway, and this was recommended to us by our mutual friend and colleague Nikki Cockman. And Nikki has uh, devised. Advice. recorded a new uh, uh, pre-recorded uh, intro and here it is now hey will hey lorraine i have suggested that you listen to tova sterk's album sway which was released in 2018 and i'm not 100 percent certain why i did lorraine asked me is there anything you'd suggest that you listen to and this was about the second option that came into my head because I'm always aware that both of you have very different tastes and I thought that this might bridge the gap between the two of you. So Tovesterk won Swedish Idol, basically the equivalent of X Factor in 2009 over in Sweden. And you don't really think of that kind of manufactured pop artist as being someone who's capable of doing something super interesting. But that's actually not the case because 
huge amounts of invention comes out of it. This is her third album. I'm not a massive fan of her. I didn't follow her at all at any point in time. But the first time I heard a single Say My Name, I just thought it was really interesting. Amazing production. Super uh, catchy. Everything about it was just like, I love this song. And I think it's really, really good. And then when you delve into the album, you realize that actually the album is filled with songs. They're, they're totally different. But in terms of production, in terms of the way she sings them, in terms of how they're actually crafted, they're kind of perfect pop as far as I'm concerned. And I thought that Will's obsession with Duran Duran as uh, a kid and Lorraine, your interest in electronic music kind of coalesces into this. I'm also interested in why it wasn't a bigger success than it was. I kind of think Tovester should be as big as Dua Lipa or any other big pop artist at the moment, but she's not. And I'm not sure why that is. I suppose the question I'm almost asking around it is, why do some pop albums hit and why do others miss, despite being as successful as a piece of music as those others? I think that's what I'm asking anyway. But uh, okay, so right, Nikki recommended this, and I was very excited when we said we were going to get Nikki to recommend something mm. because I know Mickey's, N- Nikki's made a lot of uh, playlists for me in the past, and I've always oh, loved them. And he's always recommending, well, you know? yeah, he's always recommending music that I love, and I was thinking, brilliant, this will be great. But uh, he mentioned in his intro there that he picked this particular uh, person because he thought she might bridge the gap between our very different musical yeah. tastes. So so what do you think? Had you heard of her before? No, I, I, I hadn't. hadn't I've never heard of her before. I hadn't heard of her at all. No, I am. Um, at first, I thought it was going to be like, you know, this artist, uh, Robin, she's a Swedish. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I don't. Yeah. I, yeah. That just seems like um, I don't I don't get that, you know, right. so I was, I was yeah. kind of worried it was going to be like that. But it, it okay. wasn't at all. It wasn't. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So so what did you think? What were your first impressions of it then? Uh, I instantly liked it. Uh, particularly the first song. I thought that was um, really well uh, put together. First thing that struck me about it was just on a technical level that it's one of the driest records I ever heard. And by that I mean is, is there's hardly any reverb on it. Oh, Everything okay. is just, right. you know, nothing echoes. Mm. Even her voice clips off very quickly. I think in a couple right. of songs later on, there is some reverb on it, but it just struck me very quickly that there wasn't a lot of reverb or echo on it. It sounded okay. incredibly clean, and, and, you know, so, you know, um, it didn't sound like there was any natural instruments in there, which is fine, there's no problem. But the, the end result was a very... Clinically clean, sterile kind of thing, but okay. I thought her singing on top of it was great, you know. So I yeah. really liked the first time. I found as the album went on, I was less interested in it, but okay, yeah. uh, mm. but from the start, I liked it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's funny. So obviously, so first of all, I was thinking, brilliant. Nikki's going to re- recommend something, and I'm going to love it. Like I just assume this is yeah, going to yeah. happen. And then, and then I started listening to it, and he actually sent two, and he, I said, okay, well, out of these two, which would you recommend? And he said, yeah, I think Sway. Let's go with Sway. So uh, I started listening to it, and straight away, my heart kind of sank because really? I thought, oh. 
God, because I th- and this is the thing, like, and I kind of the same thing, similar thing, even though they're very different albums that happened with um, Stevie Wonder, where I think I'm not in the mood for listening to this type <laughs> of music, but not more so. And then I obviously ended up loving songs in the key of life. But it was different with this. It was I or- I already know this type of pop music that I hear a lot of mm. at the moment on the radio. Like I don't actually re- listen to the radio much, but anytime I kind of am walking past a shop or something yeah. and it's on, it's like this type of pop music that I hear, and that's what I thought. So. First of all, I was thinking, oh, I, I really don't think I'm going to like this. It's into the point where I thought, I have I have absolutely nothing to say about this yeah, type of music yeah. because I just have no interest in it. And, and to me, they all kind of sound the same. So the first, and again, this is why I suppose it's so great to listen to things a couple of times. Um, and I was mainly listening to it in my car and, and I kind of started listening to headphones for the fourth time. Uh, just before we started, I listened to it on my headphones um, for the first time. And I was thinking I really should have listened to it on headphones the whole way through. But at the start, I kind of thought, okay, yeah, this is the type of music that straight away I could tell it was really well produced. Mm. Like it, it sounded amazing. It sounded very clean, mm. I suppose. And, it, you know, um, uh, the production on it was amazing. She's obviously a brilliant voice. But I was thinking this just sounds like anything else that I hear. I don't listen to I a lot of pop music. I could easily but picture... Katy Perry singing that first song. Easy. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's what I thought at first. Now, then it got to the third song, which is On the Low. And mm. that's definitely my favorite song out of the whole album. And that's where it kind of started to change for me a little bit, where I kind of, my ears sort of freaked up a little bit and thinking, oh, that's actually a, quite a good song. So definitely. And then I listened to it. The, I found the more I listened to it, I did start hearing kind of different elements that I found quite interesting and I think and, and Nicky sort of made his point in the introduction and I think he's he's right in that I do think it's kind of like almost the perfect pop so you know it's kind of perfect but it's very much contemporary pop yeah, in that yeah. you know this seems to be the style that's out at the moment with pop singers especially female pop singers and basically the more I listened to it the more I kind of enjoyed it mm. and I still really started to appreciate it I do think I'm gone past this stage oh, I don't know not that I'm past this stage as if I've matured so much but I just think my musical tastes have changed and that sometimes I can find this type of music quite boring mm. like it's, it's you know it's, again it's very well produced it's all great but it again it just kind of sounds similar to yeah. a lot of other yeah. things out there but actually the more i listen to it i realize i, I think this is probably a step above mm. a, a lot of other pop albums yeah. that are out there but um but even this kind of it's the way that the female pop stars sing now as well like they all have you know great voices mm. and i kind of started listening to a little bit of billy eilish's new album there yesterday just to compare and again she's the same she's got a great voice it's quite interesting but it's like they're all singing in this particular style that's almost, to me, sounds a little bit lazy. Like, they're not going to get too overexcited about anything. Like, it's the complete opposite to say, you know, Mariah Carey singing in the 90s. And I'm not saying I like that. I don't actually like that at all. Or that kind of really over-the-top, all those little crescendos or whatever they do. But it's it's funny. It's it's just interesting to see that this is a very... This seems to be the style, the way people sing now. And I just sometimes... I find it a little bit generic because it's like... It all, they always have a bit of an edge, mm. these pop songs now. They're not like, you know, the kind of standard or yeah. like the kind of boy band pop from the 90s or even mm. the noughties that, or even Britney Spears where there's a very specific sound to that. This seems like a much more mature sound. Like it's definitely, yeah. I think pop music has definitely changed. But my issue is that I do think a lot of them sound like this. Mm. But But at the same time, I think this probably is it seems to be a little bit more interesting and it seems to be a step above, yeah. but I don't know. Would you agree uh, with that? Yeah, or do you I think, think that so. this is kind of... It just feels kind of... The, the one thing I came away from this thing was that this doesn't feel like an album. This feels like eight songs. 
And I, yeah. it's very hard yeah. to say what the difference between a collection of songs and an album is. I'm not talking about a concept album where there's a thing tying them all together. But it, I guess maybe because it's that bit shorter, there's a demo mm. stuck on at the end. Yeah. And I kind of felt like, it feels like they just wrote eight songs and they're good. Uh, varying degrees of good but they're all good and they just said right we've got eight songs let's put them out it doesn't feel like this hangs together as an album for me uh, mm. uh, like I say it's my interest cohesive, I yeah my interest I don't think there's enough variety in it you know albums mm. I feel have to have anchor tracks in a way or like you have to have a good opening you have to have a good ending but I almost think side mm. song two on an album is very important because you know anyone can put their great song at the start but song two has to be a bit better because what song two is saying is this is also good it's even better actually so you can trust me that this album you can keep going with this this is but then you look at something like this is a very old reference but uh the the u2 album uh the joshua tree i think it's top load it's front loaded with all the singles do you know Mm. so if you think of that album or you look at the track listing of that album you will know the first five songs very, very well. And the last five or whatever it is, not so much, unless you're a hardcore YouTube fan. And a lot of bands will do that. They'll, they'll front load their album with uh, the, the singles. And then the rest is you know, varying degrees of quality sometimes. But I felt with this, not that they did that, but they didn't have those anchor tracks to kind of make me feel like, oh, look, look what else they can do. Or it just seemed to be yeah. eight, seven or eight variations on not a theme as such but just they're wildly different from each other in lots yeah, of ways that, you know yeah that, that's what I you thought know. too and, and you know and she's very young you know so this woman she won well, no she didn't win she became third I think in Swedish pop idol yeah, or yeah. something like that so she's only 25 now and apparently she writes her own songs which is very impressive mm-hmm. and she's definitely got a great voice Absolutely. so she she I think but I think because then you know the way on Spotify if you're listening to somebody and then the album stops it'll play on then to something for something else from that uh, artist and it played a song from an album I think which was her second album called Kiddo and to me that was a lot more interesting okay. whatever that song was it was a lot more interesting it didn't sound as again it possibly wasn't as polished as this one but there was just something a little bit she sounded quite different in that okay. and I was thinking oh maybe I'll go back and listen to that yeah. album because I think I would prefer that one and it, you know the reviews of this album were really good yeah. everybody saying how good it was I think Nicky raised a really good interesting um question in his intro where he said he thinks this is kind of like the creme de la creme of pop contemporary pop now so he doesn't understand why it's not hasn't become more popular like what makes one artist say like Billie Eilish she's kind of I suppose you could probably say the most famous or the most popular successful so what makes her stuff different to this because to me they all sound the same so I don't know exactly what it is I guess if so appealing about other people if you become successful in America versus becoming successful in is she Swedish did you say or she's Swedish. Swedish yeah that's we already have a ton of traffic coming to us from America so we are going to see mm. that and, and and American successes are so huge that we just kind of go with them and we're just you know mm. whereas Swedish mm-hmm. success we don't really see it where where would we see it you know it's harder to pick yeah. out we're not looking in that direction for music yeah now, in this day and age kind of... you kind of you know uh but like I, I don't know how what was Billie Eilish's big break that we all started to hear about her I don't know how it was that um something bad guy or but was she guy or bad guy like was that? a big song but I thought and, she was and, around and that, was that. A good... that was the big one uh, well, that was the 
that was the first I heard of her. And I did think that was great because that genuinely sounded different. Like, this is yeah. the thing. I think they all have this little bit of an edge to them now, but they all have this edge. So it's like, they yeah. kind of all sound the same. Whereas that there was something slightly different about that song that but I thought she had really a bunch good. of songs before that that had done quite well. That, that was just a one. That, oh, did like, okay. she was a song right. called Ocean Eyes and stuff like that. That was quite right. well. See, I don't know a um, lot of her stuff yet, so I'm but, not sure. Uh, but I think if the success comes to us from america we're we're very likely to kind of go with it whereas okay. we're just not pointing yeah, our heads good, in that yeah. direction you know like i mean yeah maybe you know that that's I, I don't know point, what yeah. it is maybe there's a there is a pop to use a terrible journalistic phrase pop sensibility that kind of that that sweden has that we've mm. we do tap into like you know you go back to abbott to like even that band the cardigans in the 90s who were really really poppy yeah. great band yeah but and, and all the big uh you know like max martin and all those guys the big mm. songwriters for britney spears and stuff yeah. he's swedish there's a huge um uh, there's a huge Im influence there. of mm. of swedish music but it tends to they tend to sell their songs to american artists and stuff like that you know yeah but there's yeah, a great yeah. documentary on um it's mark ronson he has a documentary series on it's on apple tv at the moment uh i'll just take it name but basically it's i think it's six parts so the first part is about um i think there was one episode he did on reverb but talking about how that like went from in motown recordings to the present day then he did one about amplification about drum machines right. oh, that and sounds then good. Yeah. uh and then i think he did an episode on swedish songwriters I hope I'm not right, mixing that okay. up, but I, I remember seeing this thing. Yeah. Uh, and did you watch? Did you watch that um, series on Netflix called "This Is Pop"? Yeah. Oh, maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. They did have a Swedish. And, and there was their very first episode was the Stockholm yes, Syndrome, or that's Stockholm the one I'm and thinking of. And that was great, of, yeah. and it was all about Swedish yeah. um, uh, producers and how they've been that's so exactly and how they've been so influential yeah. in, in American music. But and I think there was a Swedish songwriter on that, and she was saying, "Okay, but why do we keep importing all our best yeah. stuff? Why aren't we giving it to the Swedish?" Now I think it is that it is getting like that, but. But just to go back, yeah, so the album, like, I, I'm really, I'm actually really glad that Nikki recommended it, because I think I will, and like I said, I listened to it, and I'm definitely by the third list, and I was thinking, you know, up until yesterday, I was thinking, yeah, this is great, she's got a good voice, it's really well produced, but it's, it sounds the same to me, but then I started listening to it again today on my way home, and I started, I started thinking it was a little bit different, it definitely sounded, there was something really interesting about it that maybe is not there, see, I don't know, see, Nikki, I suppose, he would be very aware of music that's out at the moment, he's, you know, he's always listening to music, and he would kind of, even maybe aware of what's on the radio at the moment i wouldn't be so for all i know maybe this is a lot better than a lot of the stuff that's on the radio to me it kind of on first listen it kind of sounds similar but um i think probably it i kind of feel the way about it the way you felt about metro area i know you went back and listened to metro mm. area and you said you really liked it remember you said this is yeah it's really good but it kind of sounds like a lot of stuff i've heard before yeah. and and that's 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 kind of how i wasn't I yeah i was with those song. i was kind of going i can hear their record collection but I don't see them doing anything that new with it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah, just here exactly, are my influences yeah. and I'm kind of aping them, but I'm not really. Mm. But I, I, yeah. I liked this. I won't listen to it again. But uh, right, yeah. and even Nicky himself says he hasn't listened to it a lot. 
yeah, but yeah. it's um I thought it was interesting. I really loved the production on it. I thought there's some lovely touches yeah, there. Yeah, definitely. And, and that song on the low, yeah. like I have a playlist on Spotify that I add songs yeah, to yeah. just songs that I come across that I like and I'll definitely be adding yeah. that one. I thought that one to me was sort of the standout track and I really I thought that was a great song. Yeah. So I probably will be listening to that again. But yeah, it's interesting, it kind of made me realise maybe I should start listening a bit more to pop music. I don't I'm not listening to pop music at all no, anymore now, really, as in this type of pop music and so it is interesting to listen yeah. to it I just yeah I suppose to me sometimes it, it's a, it's very good it sounds similar to a lot of other pop artists but I definitely think there's probably a level above yeah, a lot it's, of the it's, stuff I, I, I'm not there, sure so. if it's like the cream of the crop as Mickey might have said but I'm not sure how much better the cream of the crop is you know I'm sure it's yeah, up there so, yeah anyway that that album yeah, is exactly. available wherever you listen to music so it's, it's everywhere mm-hmm. so, so yeah. yeah and thanks for the recommendation yeah, Mickey. Thanks, and we have um one minute to now to give our recommendations oh. <laughs> for the week oh, so uh what are your recommendations I actually again I haven't been watching much other than because we've been doing the podcast quite frequently yeah. uh, recently I've been just kind of watching and listening to whatever we're yeah, watching yeah. but Grace and Frankie which I absolutely loved they just released they made four episodes of their seventh and final season before the lockdown happened and then at uh, the lockdown happened COVID hit and they had to stop but they released the four episodes that they made there just recently and I was so excited about it because I absolutely loved yeah, Grace yeah. and Frankie but now they're, they're, they're good they're nowhere near as good as say the first and second season because yeah. it's kind of gotten to that stage where like most shows especially comedy shows it started and you know it was brilliant and they were you know it was so funny because it was everything was very kind of natural mm-hmm. and it was fu- you know it was funny because of the, the way that the people were acting and their characteristics now it almost seems like they're kind of playing things for laughs like you know they're, right. they're saying things because they, 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 they know that might get a laugh yeah. from the audience and so it's getting a little bit like that but it's still quite good yeah. and I tried to watch a show called uh, You Me Her which I thought I think yeah, it's about it's not great it's about a couple who to kind of introduce they bring in another woman into their relationship to kind of spice it right. up a bit and it's apparently supposed to be good but it, it, it's not great I, to be honest I think I'm trying to just fill the void that sex life has left in my life that was <laughs> one of the worst things show. I've ever seen that first episode where uh, it's about this woman who is feeling trapped in her marriage yeah, and in the first episode, her, her son has a butterfly caught in a jar. Yeah. And she goes, let, yeah. let the butterfly out. It wants to be free. And I was going, can you She'll be die every, in there if she's not let free? Any more heavy handed with this? It's, yeah. I just thought that, oh, that it's makes... Oh, just like complete guilty pleasure. Oh my God. No, absolutely. Oh, I, I understand that. But it it's just, I, I just couldn't get past that to go back to it, you know? Mm. So on yeah. the nose, but yeah. So that's pretty. That's what I've been um, watching at the moment. And uh, there's a podcast called uh, The Witness. I okay. that was recommended to me. The Witness of the Witness. So I might start listening to, but I haven't actually been listening to any other podcasts or music at the moment. Yeah. So what are your uh, Adam Buxton's podcast started up again this week with an interview with Eric Andre and the musician Phoebe Bridgers. It's very good. His oh, yeah. podcast is brilliant. This. There's like 150 mm. odd episodes there. If people haven't jumped in. He's a great interviewer and he's a very funny man. I've been watch. I right. started watching that TV show Nine Perfect Strangers with Nicole Kidman oh, and uh, Melissa McCarthy. Not oh, a great right, start. Okay. I tried to watch the start of another show called Hacks, which I'd heard right. good things about. Couldn't get into that. I tried. Yeah, to be yeah. honest, like one of the reasons I'm struggling for recommendations is because I'm looking for yeah. a TV, yeah, a good yeah. TV show at the moment. Now people keep recommending The Handmaid's Tale to me. I'd I tried to watch to the first yeah. episode. 
Right, I've tried to watch the first episode of that twice now, and I've kind of gotten a bit bored, so I don't know if I'm really the audience. Well, maybe just bored, skip to the but... second one and see how that takes, because yeah. Yeah. like I sometimes find the first episodes are a tough watch, because there's they, so they much are. They're building. trying to get everything out. There's yeah. so much exposition yeah. and everything as well. But, yeah, watch. so if anybody has any recommendations oh, yeah, for us, that would be good. Yeah, um, <laughs> so I was totally the other that. thing I watched the start of was a TV show called White Lotus, which is okay. made by um, the actor and writer Mike White. Uh, okay. He is in uh, School of Rock with Jack Black. He's his, He's oh. the real Ned Schneebly in School of oh, Rock. Oh, right, you know? okay. Um, right, so he, okay, uh, yeah. he wrote this and he's the showrunner, I think. And it's about this hotel where these rich kind of assholes are going to. And it starts off with one of them you don't know who been taken off the island in a in a coffin and then it flashes back to them all arriving and it's okay but it was just in that first episode i was halfway through it going come on just something happened here you know okay yeah yeah i'm still in the search for the next thing you know yeah did i i did go back and start watching the it crowd again which i'd never and actually i discovered the other night that i i thought i'd seen the whole of the first season and i don't think i have i only started the second season so now i can go back and watch all of the first season but god that is so funny like that is funnier than everything else that's on tv (laughs) at the moment it's just brilliant i love that Jen and it, she's just amazing. Oh, she's so she funny. So Have you seen the clip of her speaking Italian at that yes, episode yeah, yeah, where she's yeah, trying absolutely. to teach speak Italian? Or the one where she has to do a presentation <laughs> oh, on the internet. Oh, and yeah. to give her the yes. internet to bring to the, the, box. the box with the flashing red light on it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's oh, God, that's, yeah, that's great. Right. So, yeah, I'd recommend the IT okay. crowd, even though it's <laughs> however many years old. I don't really recommend anything at the moment. Although I did, I've been watching kind of older things again. I watched um, No Country for Old Men. And I watched Fargo, uh, back back okay. to back on two nights. Oh yeah, kind of similar. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. they're so good. They're mm, I need so to watch good. No Country for All Men again it's because I saw that right. years ago, and yeah, I need to watch it again. I mean, it must definitely. be a script full of just uh, stage direction. There's hardly any dialogue in it at all, you know. But the dialogue that right. is in it is uh, is very funny, you know, and it's it, it's very right. well chosen. But it's great, absolutely. Okay. Right. Brilliant. Anyway, that'll do us until okay, that's great. next time. Brilliant, yeah. So one minute, six, or so one one hour, six minutes. Oh, so we're only six minutes well over. Brilliant. Let's go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. All right. All right, then. So until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, wow. Both of us went down there. Yeah. I, I kind of went low <laughs> to try and trick you. Just, just you went, kind of yeah. 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 All right.